marketing's job is to generate revenue. Sales' job is to generate revenue. So like in a world where everyone's marching towards the same goal, you can't have any sort of organizational divides or org chart moats that prevent people from really understanding that shared experience. Welcome to the OpStars podcast. We host authentic conversations with revenue operations professionals running the show behind the scenes, holding things together, doing whatever it takes to innovate to solve problems, build processes, and manage the data to build a modern revenue engine that powers a great buyer experience. I'm your host, Rachel McBrarity. Welcome, everyone. I'm your host, Rachel McBrarity, and I'm joined today by Justin Schmidt. Welcome, Justin. Hi, Rachel. Justin is the VP of Marketing at Capacity, which is an enterprise artificial intelligence SaaS company focused on helping teams to do their best work. He's also the host of the Support Automation Show podcast, where he engages in amazing conversations with leaders in customer and employee support, are using technology to answer questions, automate processes, and build out innovative solutions to business challenges. Justin brings over 20 years of experience from various marketing leadership roles with extensive time in digital marketing and publishing roles. Prior to his current position, he was uh, the VP of Publishing Operations and Marketing at Multiply, where he led 30-member team consistently achieving all company goals. So I'm excited to have you here, Justin, to have somebody that is an executive in marketing to talk to us about revenue operations. Tell us, though, a little bit more about your career path and what led you to the role at Capacity. Yeah, then to start, just thank you very much, Rachel, for having me. Looking forward to this conversation because I think marketing tends to view operations sort of myopically through marketing operations. And I think the MOPs and SOPs teams of the world could do good by sort of being closer to lineup. And that's been my journey so far. But to answer your question, I was very fortunate, extremely fortunate, very blessed. Right out of college, my first job was a director of marketing at a small e-commerce company. And the reason I said I was fortunate was that I was able to get a 360-degree view of marketing functions like very early on. And, you know, in the typical sort of like big company career path, you might you might have your little slice of, of the operation that you're, you know, making copies and getting coffee for, and then eventually you're, you know, you move on and up. But that seeing that whole picture really set me up for, I think, future success. And after spending six or seven years in e-commerce, I got into publishing and media, starting at a reputation management company. We did internet cleanup is the best way I could describe it. So if you had a PR disaster and that left artifacts of, of that disaster online, we would optimize content that counterbalances that so that the, the online footprint of, of your brand got, got better. That was intellectually challenging work, but it didn't really resonate with me on a personal level. And that's when I joined what later became Multiply, which was a straight up publishing business. And this is where I think the appreciation for operations really started. So when you do anything at scale, operations becomes extraordinarily important. And when you do things at hyperscale, which was the Multiply journey, it's absolutely like imperative. We had in the good years, we do well over 1.2, 1.3 billion visits in a quarter. And the amount of traffic across the properties that we did was such that single 
digit percentage point changes in any sort of optimization you can make has massive cascading effects downstream. And to be able to manage the data and the processes to enact those changes was extremely difficult. It was extremely valuable. And I think when I transitioned to my current role at Capacity, which is a B2B SaaS application, like I've got this perspective of what technically adept marketing and sort of real quant side of the discipline really means and have been in a fortunate position to be able to, to imbue that into you know, a sales-led enterprise SaaS, mid-market and enterprise SaaS process, which also gives me a great appreciation for like sales ops and marketing ops and how you know, the, the sort of like dance of the databases that those two teams have to do why it's so valuable in some certain points of view I've developed in the last few years on on how to optimize that. So, you know, we at Capacity are very much your 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 typical small but mighty SaaS startup marketing team. And, you know, we do all the things that a healthy marketing department in 2022 does from virtual events to physical events, God willing, to, you know, just the typical digital stuff. So, uh, it's been a wild journey. It's been a fun journey, but I am extremely grateful for the opportunities I've had along the way. And I'm extremely grateful for this conversation with you. So looking forward to getting into it. I am too. I'm curious about, I guess it was that multiply where you recognize that a small percentage change had an impact downstream. That mindset seems somewhat unique that you would be thinking about what's happening maybe beyond marketing. Do you think that adopting that was part of why you think about the world the way you do today. You're not just thinking about marketing, but rather the downstream effects of everything that's happening. Yeah, and give a perfect example in the high-scale publishing world and how I think that also translates into the sort of sales-led world. So at scale, and this is, some, this is something that BuzzFeed, CNN.com, like there's not a lot of web properties that have enough traffic where these things sort of where if you have that 1% increase in, let's say, impressions per visit, so the number of ad impressions per visit, right? that's how you optimize your CPM as a publisher. Well, let's say that change to get that one extra ad impression is inserting an ad unit. You're, so you're, you're adding 1% to that total. You insert another ad unit in between, let's say, I don't know, the second and the second image and the third paragraph on, a, on an article, or you're paginating something slightly differently. Well, that then means the editorial team needs to understand that there is going to be an ad break in a place that there wasn't previously. So they're going to have to construct the content slightly different. For any photography or brand art that you do, same story, right? So like, you don't want to necessarily put this big, beautiful, you know, custom illustration or something and right under it is, you know, an ad for 1-800-contacts.com or something. Shout out to 1-800-contacts.com. But you've now impacted two downstream workflows, right? Obviously, the revenue ops team is going to have to like manage those insertion orders to get that extra impression, which could have a detrimental impact on one partner versus a positive impact on another. Because if well, the advertising business is really only two partners, is Google and Facebook. But if Google got that dollar versus Facebook, like that's a part of the relationship you have to manage. And then you've got the, the user experience where now... Maybe the engineers have to get the website to load just a smidge faster so that you can get that extra impression without, you know, the list goes, I could go, I could go on and on and on. Well, in traditional 
sort of sales-led roles, it's the same thing. You know, I'll give you a great example of this, like adding a field to a contact record, even something simple, right? Yeah, I'll give you an even better example. This is just something we recently did. We made a change to the opportunity stages. And, you know, I think we added one and then a bunch got renamed. So it went from like a five steps on the ribbon to six. And all, you know, all good. The You should optimize these processes. But changing one of those, go back to Marketo. Now Marketo's looking for a status new and the status is no longer called new. It's called one period space new slash no activity or whatever. And so all of those workflows have to get updated or smart campaigns, as Marketo calls them. All the flow, flow steps have to get updated. So then you update those flow steps. And then you're also looking at, you know, maybe you've got segments where, you know, you've got one segment of people in new status. Well, now you got to change all that too. So you don't, you know, send, so you can still send them the right emails or whatever it is. You've got all the training that has to go on with the sales team to, to recognize the changes. Marketing's got to get updated on this stuff. And like, it just cascades everywhere, right? And I think when people go through their professional life, just sort of, you know, I'm in my little six by 12 office here. Like you're stuck in your little box and you know where everything is inside your little box, but you've got an entire other organization of people stuck in their little box. And there's a downstream impact to, to all those people anytime you make a change. And I am convinced just watching the rigmarole that goes on in various marketing or revenue ops like groups and, and communities that I'm in that like precious few people really think about all the downstream impacts of what they're doing. And ops teams in a world where shit rolls downhill, right? Like it's the sales ops and marketing ops folk that have to uh, have to deal with that. So. It's just a really good idea to be cognizant of these things and, and think them through. So understand you're building a system that you yes. have to consider all the implications. You're a believer that the best way to go is to actually bring together marketing operations and sales operations into one revenue operations org. Is that fair I, to say? I am a big proponent of that idea. And full disclosure, I don't have a big window into that world at a high a high scale i don't executive leadership at salesforce might think differently or service now or you know one of those hubspot one of those people but in the world where i think most of us operate in sort of mid to smaller team sizes i think there's a massive advantage to it because two things one there's this this classic adage there should be some friction between sales and marketing and that's healthy i think that's that's bullshit like at the end of the day marketing's job marketing's job is to make sure the product the marketing's job is to generate revenue sales's job is to generate revenue so like in a world where everyone's marching towards the same goal you can't have any sort of organizational divides or org chart moats that prevent people from really understanding that shared experience. And if you agree that, you know, strategically, we're all marching down the same path, well, then it, then it stands to reason that the most important technology in the revenue organization, your CRM, your marketing automation platform, all, you know, there's, there's the big three or four platforms that we all use. Those are so intertwined, right? Like, think about it. Salesforce and Marketo, the most important person at Marketo is the at Adobe rather is a person that makes sure that 
integration works. And that anytime Salesforce updates something, they make sure that they're updated on the other side. Salesforce obviously bought Pardot to get into owning the whole sort of cycle. And then HubSpot's been, you know, doing that from the very beginning. They've even gotten to the point now where they, you know, they rolled out a payments product, I think it was last week, which brilliant idea on their part, but everything HubSpot does is smart. So shout out to our friends at HubSpot. But um, <laughs> my point with this is that the those platforms are inextricably linked and the people who manage those platforms share the common goal. So you might as well put them on the same team to just cut out any bullshit on, oh, well, VP of sales wants to do this, VP of marketing wants to do that. It's like, no, we're going to build the operation and we're going to have control of that operation in such that we can achieve the goals of both these stakeholders without letting the dotted versus solid line in the org chart dictate which way we go. I agree with you wholeheartedly that we do align to whatever org we're in, human nature to drive toward the goals. 100%. And anytime you see an org chart with a dotted line, it's like, okay, that's going to be a problem. (laughs) You know what I mean? We spend a lot of time talking about RevOps and revenue operations here at Lean Data. And one of the things that we have found as we've talked about it over the years is that CMOs are not as fond of RevOps as sales seems to be revenue operations tends to maybe report into a CRO and CMOs feel like they lose a resource. They don't have that dedicated resource who's really thinking about everything marketing needs. How do you not have that risk happen of like it shifts and it becomes much more sales focused potentially? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think this is one of these things where the literature and the academic pursuit of this is going to bear the truth over time. But we'll say this much. I think my worldview on this comes back to that that famous adage. It's often misattributed to Ogilvy, but he didn't say it. I can't remember forgetting who said it, but the, I, you know, half of every dollar I spend on marketing is wasted. I just don't know which half. In 2022, that's not, that's not, that's not true. If you're, if you don't know what the other 50 cents of your dollar is doing, you're not doing your job well, right? It might be time to think about it, either career change or some some continuing education. But I, I kid, kind of. But the point I'm making there is that I think marketing, especially people who've been in marketing long enough to not be a CMO, have come from a world where direct revenue attribution might not have always been their primary KPIs, right? You talk about things like share of voice or impression share or all these other kind of it's really soft marketing terms that I think it's great to, you know, say, hey, look, look how this focus group really liked our new brand logo. But like, is your, did your ROAS get any better? Is the, it's like, it's like the ROI of what you're, what you're doing any, any better. And that sort of like hard revenue minded mindset is, I think, historically more common in sales because they don't, I say this with love and the, the coin operated nature of a salesperson, like, they make more revenue, they make more dollars, they are going to do things that make them more revenue. And like, it's just any sort of other soft metric just doesn't matter to them, right? So I think part of the reason that CMOs may not like the idea of shared RevOps is and acquiescing some of that traditional marketing metric stuff to the more like harsh reality of revenue. So if you're going to combine sales ops and marketing ops into a RevOps team, then I think you there definitely needs to be some alignment in the sales and marketing leadership that, you know, for example, here at Capacity, like one of my 
I have three main KPIs for the year. OKRs, if you the objective key results. I have three of them. One of them is to hit my pipeline number. So we have our overall pipeline number that the whole revenue team is after, and I'm on the hook for a percentage of that. And that is marketing sourced. So I can go into Visible and I can create a story on marketing influence, but I have like marketing sourced is, is ultimately where, where I succeed or fail. I need to steward the budget. We have our budget for people, tools, marketing expense. I need to steward that budget to hit that revenue number. And my final OKR is to invest in the team and ensure that people grow and, and flourish, right? But those first two goals just really put me in a space where like, I need to make sure that I am sending opportunities to sales that close. And I make, need to make sure those leads get turned into, obviously you guys are we're very familiar with this. The leads get turned into a contact, routed to the proper account and, and routed to the proper rep as fast as humanly possible so that the, the, you know, the speed of lead is as low as, as we can get. And that just creates this world where it doesn't make sense for, for sales ops and marketing ops to be in separate, in separate orgs. So long way to say this, I think there's a softness to traditional marketing goals that some CMOs may be overly attached to, and that could be part of it. There could be a lack of true alignment between sales and marketing, and that's part of it. Now, admittedly, in where you put that revenue operations team, do you put that revenue operations team in sales? Do you put that revenue operations team in marketing? Is that revenue operations team separate to the CRO? Like you truly want like a Switzerland type of situation? At capacity, the revenue operations role org reports into me. And, you know, I think we get away with it because ultimately I care about pipeline and, and, and revenue. So I think, you know, we've, we've got an advantage there, but I could see also it, as we grow, eventually it may make sense to, to move that function directly into the CRO. And we have a, you know, a VP of revenue operations or something like that, but we're not there yet. So that was an extremely long-winded way of saying something that's pretty I think simple here, and that is marketing has grown up with soft metrics, or I don't know where that 50 cents went, or look at the focus group, or look how pretty the logo is. And like that's all well and good, but ultimately we're in this business to drive value and growth. And that means revenue. That means you got to get comfortable with sales. That means you need to be comfortable with sales force, right? Or outreach, whatever you're using, and all the operations. Therein. I agree. There's been a significant shift in in the metrics and the thinking in marketing. But I think to add to the the case to be made to have RevOps in marketing is that while marketing metrics may have been soft in the past, one thing I think that marketing does well is understands the target audience and the buyer. And at the end of the day, what is revenue operations about? It's about the orchestration of the buyer experience. Revenue comes from our customers. Marketing really does tend to know the audience, the segments, and guiding that experience and thinks more about the prospect, that lead, the journey of that lead or that prospect, and making sure that's a great experience. Sales thinks about, they think very much around the people and the productivity, right? Hitting those numbers, as you said, or how many calls did you make? So I think it's very interesting to bring RevOps under marketing where you really need to center around how you facilitate that experience at the end of the day. It's all in service of that. You know, you start backwards from like your best possible scenario. And your best possible scenario is a paying customer whose account is growing all the time, who uses all the features, who leaves a good review for you on Captera or G2 or whatever, and who, you know, is willing to to show up and 
do a testimonial for you or make an introduction or whatever it is, right? So you start from that that sort of true north. And it's like, as you kind of work backwards from closed one to op- to whatever your opportunity stages are, to sales qualified lead, to marketing qualified, to lead, to unknown or subscriber or whatever you, you use before lead, that journey is all about getting to that sort of that perfect point. And when sales says to marketing, hey, marketing, the leads are shit. And marketing has is and marketing is marketing ops is siloed from sales ops and, and they have to say, well, tell me why. And and like let's have a meeting and let's, you know, you print your report and I'll print mine and we'll hash it out. Versus, huh, yeah, they are, aren't they? I can see that. Hmm. Oh, yeah, that's because this particular cohort fizzled out at this particular step in the in the journey. And I see why, because we didn't do X, Y, Z, because I can just literally see the velocity report in the you know stage changes or, or whatever it is. I would much rather have that second conversation. I, I would much rather you know sales come to me and be like, Justin, the leads are shit. And like, we have that conversation together than Justin, the leads are shit. And then like, I have to wait for them to throw their sales force report over the fence. And they wait for me to throw my Marketo report over the fence. And then, you know, we hire a litigator and you know what I mean? It's a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Like, who cares? Like the leads are bad. Let's let's figure out why. Work back from from that true north and the data will bear out. Yeah, I think then you build together the the right actions. So a lead might not be bad, but the, if the timing is off too, there's so many right. variables that if you don't work on it together, you don't know what is the right timing and actions and when do you send it to a person versus maybe do a cadence or another campaign. I agree. If you don't have that feedback loop happening within the team, and and I think too, Justin, I, I think like when you think about allowing the experts to do what they do, you want marketers to do the marketing, you want the sales teams to do what they do, and yes. having operations really being the orchestrator behind the scenes to ensure that each of those competencies can go out and do their job, and you've optimized their activities and their actions that's super strong, then you don't really have to say, hey, sales and marketing need to come together so much as if you bring RevOps together behind the scenes and orchestrate this end-to-end, you have brought marketing and sales together in a very productive way. You have. And a good way to think about this is like the the productivity and output you get from any group of people doing their work is a direct function of how much you mitigate diffusion of that output towards the end goal, right? So if you've got a well-aligned, let's, let's actually say this the opposite way, a, a poorly aligned team with their own data silos and their own, you know, sort of separate pieces of things, it's like putting a, a thick piece of paper in front of a flashlight, right? But if you can reduce the opacity of that sort of nonsense in front of, of that light, or in front of their output, you're going to get you're going to get better results when it comes through. So it's just like I don't know. The other thing that, that I just keep thinking about too is obviously let's just you know, look at Salesforce, right? Salesforce did not buy Pardot and make all the different changes to Salesforce Marketing Cloud that they've made over the years to like sell more Marketo subscriptions. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like in HubSpot again, it's just done this from the start to begin with. It does beg the question, like if, if it were up to them, you would have the same tool being used for both sides. So if you have the same tool being used for both sides, you might as well have the same team using the same tool. But that's that, that might be a little more of a 
fatalistic way of looking at it, I guess. But like, I think it's also true, you know? Well, I think you raise another interesting point, which is, my gosh, the massive amount of technology decisions you need to make, the marketing stack, sales stacks, SDR stack, whatever stack, uh, having a team that can be thoughtful about maximizing and determining what is the right set of capabilities for your organization is pretty massive because I think you end up overlapping or repeating functionalities if you don't bring it together. And so there's probably a lot to be gained, I would think, in having them think holistically about that end-to-end solution. Yeah. I mean, and think about in your line of work, right? Like I could create some big old nasty flow in Marketo to, to assign a account owner to somebody. But like that function kind of makes more sense to do and, and doesn't kind of, it does, in my opinion, it does make more sense to do that in Salesforce, right? So like, this is another, just one of those great examples where a unified RevOps team, there's no ego involved in that decision. You're just sort of looking and saying, okay, do we do this in marketing operation or marketing automation? Do we do this in, in CRM? And when you take the fiefdoms away, that conversation becomes for the ideal end state of our customer journey, our true north we talked about earlier, which decision makes the most sense? Do this in Marketo, or do this in Salesforce, and then you can get there. But you're right with the, the SaaS bloat that we all deal with is having the most control over the fewest amount of tools where you're using the most amount of those tools is the ideal state. And that's another just great example of the benefit of having sales ops and marketing ops, stops and mops in the same room together is I think you can optimize your ability to do that. Because you're right, like, you know, in our stack, outreach.io looks at Salesforce, Marketo looks at Salesforce, our own capacity bot, we have a bunch of automations and workflows we've set up for our sales team looks at Salesforce. We have various other Salesforce plugins and stuff that, that go in there. If a touch point is created invisible, that's ultimately written to Salesforce, right? So like you get this, this situation where other than a few examples, like a good example would be we use um, Unbounce for, for landing pages. That's one of the few places where Salesforce doesn't get directly touched because those leads go into Marketo, which then pushes them to Salesforce, where they're then converted to contacts, routed, et cetera, you know, whatever. But like there is a hop between Unbounce and Salesforce. But in virtually every other situation, there is not a hop between those two tools. So it's it's fascinating. I remember going to a Serious Decisions show in 2019, back when we like went places, and there was some, I was in, I think it was, I think it was like a Sixth Sense or someone was sponsored the thing, but they had a customer up there talking about their thing. And they showed there is a there's a big SaaS company we've all heard of, and they showed their. Um, technology stack and it's like you know there's like 50 different applications in this thing and i'm just like how in the hell are you using all of that to its fullest potential and not paying for you know you're you're paying 10 grand a month for something where you're using like a thousand dollars a month worth of its feature set because you've got the responsibility and the and the benefit of that tool like scattered across six other different places in your tech stack and like there's just i i you can't manage that stuff if you've got siloed teams. You're running the RevOps team. How do you guide them on new solutions that are coming out today? There's so much new innovation. You risk your competition jumping on something that's going to put them ahead. So you can't ignore it. How does your team test new capabilities or evolve or innovate? 
Do you have a process for that in your RevOps team? Yeah, good question. We do. I tell them the same thing we tell customers and prospects, which is start, and this is like the old Simon Sinek thing, right? Start with why. Why are we doing this? What are we trying to achieve? Let's work backwards from the goal. And then the next question I have is like, and oftentimes this is, you know, again, I'm going to go back to Salesforce and Marketo because that's what we use here. But if you use Microsoft Dynamics and Active Campaign, you know, more power to you, but same, same difference. And that is like, where's the source of truth on this particular initiative? Is the source of truth something visitor and pre-opportunity stage of the funnel or is the source of truth, you know, known account, et cetera, et cetera. And then you kind of, you start, so you start with your end goal, you start thinking about the source of truth. Then it's just a matter of map out the process. It's, I love getting demos of software because it's just, it's just, I just like doing it. I'm I'm more than willing to like sacrifice my inbox for some SDR, you know, shout out to all of the hardworking SDRs out there. But like, I, I would love to, I, I don't mind trading my time for a, for a demo. There's a lot to learn from those. But my point is, you start with why you think of your source of truth, map out the process. If you understand why you're doing it, you understand where your source of tr- truth is, and you map out the process. After you map out the process, one of two things is going to happen. Either A, you're going to say, oh, shit, I can do this already with, you know, a little bit of, uh, what is Salesforce called? Lightning script or whatever. Like, I can find someone on Fiverr to fix this for me, and we can, we can do it. Or, yeah, this is a huge gap in, in what we're able to do. Or... Yeah, I can do this, but I can't do it at the scale. This is this is how we ended up with the sales engagement platform. It's like, yeah, I we can do this, but like we're not going to be able to scale to have enough meetings to fill the pipeline that we need unless we have a way to scale this. So either I'm going to continue to flirt with disaster on sending emails from HubSpot or Marketo when I should be sending these through a, a tool or I'm going to, you know, we're going to build some stupid mail merge and some weird desktop application. That's, that's terrible. Or we can call sales off to not reach and and start that process. So like you need to start with the why you need to find your source of truth. You need to map out the process. And I've literally like get a process map to get like a mind mapping application or whatever, and do the whole squares for, or diamonds for decision points square, you know, do, do the whole thing. And, and really understand what it is you're trying to do. And then overlay the people involved in that. And then you have a full understanding of what it is you're trying to do. And then you can go out and find the technology. Because it's there are people like, like me, marketers, that are very good at making you want something because... The shiny like, object? Yeah, it's like, that's a shiny object. Or it's like, oh, they're going to send me a, a $100 Chili's gift card if I take a meeting with them. Shout out to incentivize, right. incentivize <laughs> meetings, but like, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like you, you end up the, like you end up next thing, you know, you're like, why am I, why, why are we reviewing a proposal for this? It's like, yeah. we could, like, we could just job design could have solved this problem. I like the start with the why, what is the problem to be solved and how big is that problem? And you do have to constantly reevaluate opportunities. If you start scaling, you might need to bring in that new software to to help you scale. But until you get to the point where it's a big enough why or problem, it might not make sense. So sometimes timing as well. You know, there's only so much sometimes an organization can take in terms of the amount of net new you add, because everything that you add, you know, isn't just the technology. There's change in process as you're outlining. Oh, yeah. Going back to our downstream, the downstream impacts things, right? 
Yeah. So this has been terrific, Justin. Um, I'd love uh, if you'd like to, to maybe summarize a couple of sort of key points or big takeaways you'd like the audience to have and your perspective on um, bringing together mops and sops into to RevOps. Any final points or thoughts? Yeah, you know, the reality is, I think marketing folk and I, you know, other fellow marketers, I'm talking to you now. It's just us. Okay. No salespeople are listening to this anymore. Rachel's thinking marketing when she's hearing this. This is just us. Like, you need to be driving revenue. Okay. If you drive revenue, everything changes for you. You'll get you'll get the promotion you want. You'll get the budget you want. You'll get that fancy job title you want. Gotta start thinking revenue. Okay. Now we're gonna go back to talking to everybody. So, like, sorry, I'm in a goofy mood today. The 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 number one thing I would say is that is that marketing needs to think of things from a revenue first perspective. Marketing thinks of things through a revenue first perspective. That's the first principle. I think you're going to be viewing the rest of what you do through a prism that serves serves revenue. And what that means is a good, solid appreciation for sales operations. So think of revenue. That'll get you to sales ops. The second thing I think that all marketers, especially marketers and senior leadership, if you don't know the difference between a smart list and a flow and a flow step in Marketo, you need to like maybe don't, you know, don't tip your hand necessarily, but like go watch some YouTube videos, maybe take the Mar- Marketo certification yourself and like get an appreciation for what the operations people in your organization are dealing with. Understand how obtuse certain things are in Salesforce. Build your own Salesforce report. And when you go to report type and you start typing opportunity and you see there's literally 700 different report types, you're just like, how in the hell? Like go through the head exercise yourself and get a not and get a real solid appreciation for the bullshit that your ops teams have to deal with with these platforms. So think revenue, actually get your hands dirty. And then the final thing I would say is that your success as a marketer like marketing is is just as much a left-brained activity as it is a right-brained activity now. So I love the way good marketing makes me feel. Like Nike has some inspirational, awesome Nike commercial. I'm like, I am going to go on a jog right now and I'm going to buy a pair of Nikes. Like that is a lot of fun and that is amazing. But there's a lot of ROI you can drive by just optimizing some of the operational stuff that you do and just be cognizant of the downstream effects. So think revenue, learn how to use the tools your team does and understand the downstream effects of, of what we're doing. I love that. I love the notion of, hey, ops folks or marketing folks, start thinking revenue, driving revenue for the company. And then on the flip side, hey, executives, you need to maybe you know roll up your sleeves and get a little bit into the operations world and see how it all works. Make sure you're tech savvy and process savvy. Because then you're not just, you're not, Barking orders from the ivory tower, right? That's a that's a real good way to harbor some resentment in your team. And then in a, in a in the career mobility, the environment of extreme career mobility that we have today, you know, good luck to you if you want to do that because you're going to lose people. There's something that I find really interesting about watching. Next time Apple rolls out a big product, this is always fascinating to me. I think back to when they rolled out like the the new, new I had it somewhere here, but the new Mac, the new 14 inch and 16 inch Mac Pros. 
amazing products. They're second to none in product marketing. There's like, there's no one that does better product marketing than Apple. But during that whole presentation, you'll have Tim Cook come out, then you'll have uh, Craig Ferrigetti, the VP of hardware, and then you have all these people come out. They all sound like they're talking from the exact same playbook. They all rehearse to their bit. They all are keenly aware of what the goal is. They are so good at like <laughs> gaslighting us into buying their stuff that like you honestly like question your own sanity if they themselves truly believe all the, you know, hyperbole coming out of their mouths. But I think the reason they're, they're so good at that is just they are very acutely aware of driving revenue for that business. And I don't think Phil Schiller, I don't, I don't know if he's there anymore, but whoever, you know, the, from their creative team all the way to the hardware engineers, they are all focused on the same thing. And it's a beautiful thing to watch. And it's something that I think all of us should should incorporate. I got off a little bit of a tangent there. Sorry, but... Nah, I love it. Yeah, right. you got to focus on revenue. Right. You got to focus on revenue. <laughs> so final two questions. First is advice to someone who's just about to start off in their first operations role. The best way to learn is to ask questions. So if you're just getting started, even if you're, you know, a grizzled old veteran like myself, like, but especially if you're just getting started, just ask questions. There's no such thing as a dumb question. There really isn't. And if you just sit down with, sit down with an SDR, ask them a bunch of questions. Sit down with an account executive, ask them a bunch of questions. Sit down with the demand marketing people or the digital marketing people, just ask them a bunch of questions. And as you do that, different things are going to come into focus. There's a concept in VR that's just so fascinating. It's called foveated rendering. And it basically... In a, in a set of VR goggles, a high-end one, they will, your brain only needs, they only need to render in sharp detail what your pupils are looking at. The rest of it, you're, you know, famously our brains sort of do a lot of the work on the on things. Well, VR goggles can save, they can save a lot of processing by only trying to render exactly what your eyes are looking at. By asking a bunch of questions and starting to fill in all the different aspects of the larger picture, you'll become aware of the overall operations process without having to directly look at things. But when you do directly look at it, you're going to have the um, knowledge and the wherewithal to be able to view that particular issue in high resolution. And you don't get there without asking a ton of questions. I love that analogy. Excellent. All right. And final question, who in the world of operations would you most like to take to lunch? Honestly, this is a very specific answer. But Crystal Dial, she is the pipeline strategist at a company called Panther. She was the director of operations at Capacity and director of revenue operations at Capacity. And Crystal, I haven't seen Crystal in a while. She changed jobs and then Omicron happened. So I haven't, I haven't seen her in a while. But one of the things I've always respected the most about Crystal is that she, and she came from a BDR, she was a BDR manager before she got into operations. She grokked the value of unified RevOps very early. And she is a perfect example of somebody who came from the sales side and learned to appreciate the marketing side of, of the operational thing. What I'd want to talk to her about, and I guess I could just call her, but what I'd want to talk to her about is what can I do so that the next Salesforce admin I talk to, I can get them into thinking about marketing ops 
with the same level of like intellectual curiosity that they think about sales ops in. And because I think that's like ultimately what would be what we need to do as leaders if we're going to go down this very, this unified path is like build up that appreciation and that curiosity. But if we're going to if we're going to fantasize about talking to someone in in operations, I would absolutely love to sit down in a group discussion with the sales ops and marketing ops people at and the specific reason for this Microsoft, Salesforce, and like SAP, Oracle, ServiceNow, all these like behemoth companies, because I want to understand how far removed they have gotten from like the very specifics and like if that changes and how that has changed their worldview. Because I, I was at a, I remember hearing from a, a guy, it was the guy that ran some some slice of Microsoft's SDR or uh, business development team. And he said something that I just like, like he said it just sort of like, you know, as, as I would talk about a report in Google Analytics, but he was like, we're not adding new businesses to our CRM anymore because they are, they have all of it already. And I'm just like, and then he just kept going on whatever he's saying. And I was like, wait a minute, holy shit. There is no new leads for Microsoft. You know what I mean? It's like they're, there are the, like they they have it all. It's an entirely different universe of operation than what I'm used to. So anyway, long answer, but those would be my. That's who I'd want to go to lunch with, Crystal, and then a, a group of people that um, are very far removed from. Oh, you've given me some great view. ideas of both. I should have Crystal on and ask her the question you want to know on the podcast, and also maybe have some of these. Oh, you should absolutely have Crystal on. She'd be great. Yeah, have some ops folks from these big companies. Thank you so much for your time today, Justin, and sharing with us. Really appreciate it. it super insightful. Thanks so much. Thank you. The Upstars podcast is brought to you by Lean Data. To find out more about us and our suite of Salesforce native products for marketing sales and revenue operations, head to leandata.com. And then make sure to search for Upstars in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Opstars and Lean Data, thanks for listening.